Loving Liberty Network is excited to present Ask an Immigrant, a weekly radio show by Lydia Wallace Nuttall and immigrants from all over the world who share their personal stories as to why they came to America. Lydia is the author of Forgotten American Stories, Celebrating America's Constitution, and an executive board member for We the Kids, with the mission to put God back into America's history and to inspire kids to value liberty and our United States Constitution and to be proud to be Americans. Hello, 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 everyone. To Ask an Immigrant, uh, we welcome you, our fans and friends of Ask an Immigrant. We are dedicated to helping us and our rising generation to value, have gratitude for, and appreciate what we have here in America. This is an awesome country that we can be proud to be um, a part of, and we're proud. We can be proud to be American. You can be too. And today we have with us. Ruth, and I'm going to say her whole name because you've heard Ruth before if you listen to the previous recorded podcast. Her full name is, okay, hold on a second. I have to <laughs> read this right. Ruth Beulah Metman Bell. So Ruth, welcome back to the show. Tell us what country you're from. Say that again, but... What, what country are you from, Ruth? Oh, I came from East Germany. Yes. And Ruth, why don't you tell us how old you are, too? Because I think that is phenomenal. And everyone, you won't believe she's as old as she is because she sounds to me like a spring chicken. How old are you, Ruth? <laughs> I'm 90 years old. I can't believe it myself. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's so good to have you back. So everyone, we talked with Ruth and she shared with us some amazing true stories of her life in East Germany and um, especially during the time when Hitler was in power and expanding the Third Reich into other countries surrounding Germany and how he even went into Russia and ticked the Russians off and the Russians started pushing back and pushing the... Hitler and his army back towards Germany and how this really affected Ruth's life um, as a young girl, especially in her teenage years. So we touched on that. We totally skipped over what life was like for her in her early childhood before Hitler. So we're going to be talking more about that and what life was like for her being a member of Hitler Youth and what life was like after the war, during the war, etc. And where this is going to go, I'm not sure. But Ruth has it all under control, don't you, Ruth? <laughs> I have it written down. She's got it all written down. Yeah, she said she, she wrote down a timeline. So so hopefully if we go over some things that are re, a repeat from the last show, forgive us, but th it's still all good and I want it all, Ruth. So uh, so why don't you start from the beginning about what your life was like in East Germany before Hitler came in power. Um, I know you were born in 1932 and uh, Hitler came into power in 1933. The war started in 1939 and your father had was recruited into the war and was killed in 1940. Um, you have a little brother who was born when you were about six and a half years old. So there's you and, and a little brother. So we can start 
I guess we can start now. Tell us what life was like in East Germany before Hitler. Okay, the first grandchild in the family. So I was really spoiled and well, well loved. And we used to go in the mountains. We used to gather blueberries and mushrooms. And we would live with the farmers and we would sleep in a hotel and we would get an ice cream cone and we would wander over the mountains. It was a wonderful time as a child. And I had several cousins. We would go together. And I had an aunt. She was funny. She always put the baby in front of her and she called it baby, baby in front. And that was so funny because they had three boys. They were lovely. So we had a good time and I had uncles who played the harmonica and so we would go over the mountainside. It was a wonderful time. And then they had beds in the hotel where you could uh, sleep behind the curtain. And that was oh. so much fun <laughs> to sleep behind Because then the, the grown-ups thought we were asleep. And yes, we could listen what they talked about when we were behind the curtain. <laughs> Little spies. Funny, which was good. Uh, then uh, I was uh, called in the Hitler Youth when about 1943, when you, have, you had to be 10 years old. And there's okay. that story where I was called in the leadership group, and we had to listen to a big speaker about Hitler's agenda, and it was wintertime. It was so cold, and the snow was all over. And in Germany, they had big marketplaces, and we had to march up there, and we had to stand and listen. And you know, with 11 and 12 years old, you don't understand what the grown-ups talk about. And Hitler was promising everybody Heaven on earth, he was building the millennium, and well, we know really that doesn't work. So we stood there and we were so ice cold. We had beautiful uniforms uh, blue skirts, white blouses with a leather knot and a kerchief, and we had a beautiful yellowish uh, jacket, which was oh, so soft. It was just, the uniforms were very nice. And then we had, then they finally told us we could leave and we went down the side street. And then some had the idea, let's go home from the side street. We are tired, we are ice cold. And so some started to go and I was with my girlfriend and we said, why don't we then go to over that other street there and go home? So we went home. I so so hold on me. a second, Ruth. So you're freezing cold. How long do you think you had to stand out there in the freezing cold, even though your uniform was beautiful? But how long? At least an hour, I think. An hour? That whole and, and could you move? Did you have to stand at attention for a whole no, hour in the freezing cold? I mean, we had to stand in groups, about six abreast, and you you didn't have to stand up straight all the time, but you had to stand up. That was it. And you were to listen to this big speaker. What what do you understand about the politics when you are 11 and 12 years old? And then we always had to say, Heil Hitler. 
you had to stretch out your arm. Whatever, when you met somebody on the street, like we said, good morning or good afternoon, you had to say, Heil Hitler. Or when instead you of good morning? Person, that was the same instead of good morning, yeah. Anywhere, oh, wow. when you meet somebody, you say, Heil Hitler, that means hail to Hitler. And yeah. young people think that it's so nice that you can do those things. And now as an adult, I think the adults must have to thought, oh dear, they really getting the young people to believe in that dictatorship. So I remember that, but that was... So, so you weren't supposed... So you now, okay, you've listened to an adult member of the Third Reich one of yeah. Hitler's men talked to you for a, a whole hour in the freezing cold. Um, and, and is that, is Hitler youth, is that something that you joined? Like you could join, you had a choice to join or. You were, you were called to join it. That was, that was the rule. You Ten had to join old, it. You had to go to the Hitler youth. And so now, and, okay. So now we fast forward to the end of the speech and you and your friend disperse. You you go down a street, and now it you're at the point leave. where the whole group had to leave together to okay. on the side from the marketplace. Got it. And then we were gone a little while, and you know, then there come other streets after the marketplace. Some people had the idea, "Are we going home?" And well, we thought, that's a good idea. Why don't we go the next street and go home? Well, that was the wrong thing to do because we were in a leadership group. Mm. When you first were in the Hitler Youth, you just belonged to a group. But then they sorted us out what they want as leaders. So by that time, my girlfriend and I, we were in a leadership group. And then you are just handled a little bit different because you're supposed to become a leader. So when we came next time to the group, they threw me out. They said, that is no leadership out. And my <sighs> girlfriend, she got time to redeem herself. And I said, what is that? Well, her mother belonged to the women organization of the Third Reich, her father was still out in the war. My mother did not belong to the woman organization, and my father was dead. So I thought, okay, that is unfair. They threw me out. My girlfriend got time to redeem herself. I'm not going to go back there. They measure with two measurements. That is unfair. And I didn't go back anymore. And that must have been, oh, November, December, because then they came to my mother's house. Ruth has to come back to the Hitler Youth. And I said, no, mother, I'm not going back there anymore. And they would come back to the house again. You need to show up next week. You have to come back. I said, no, mother, I, wouldn't, I don't go there anymore. They are unfair. They are not judging righteously. And so that's the way I thought about it, and nobody was going to change me. And um, I didn't go back. And then by then time, it was January 1945, 
and we became refugees. We could hear the cannons of the of the Russians, and the Russian soldiers, sorry to say, they raped the girls, and then they mutilated them and killed them. It was a terrible, terrible idea. And so mother had a hand bargain made, and in this hand bargain, they put some suitcases on the feather bed, and they had to go westward uh, from one little town to the next, to the next, to the next. And mother, I had to help mother pull the little wagon, and my brother, we would set him on there when it was going up the hill or whatever. It was, it was awful for my mother. Now, her husband was dead, her home was gone, and all the money that my father had, that she got after my father died, life insurance, everything was gone. All the money was gone. The only thing, my mother was very frugal, and she had her own savings booklet with with the post office. In Germany, you can save with the post office. And that is good all over Germany, from the east to the west, from the north to the south. And she had some money on there. And when we had absolutely nothing and couldn't find a place, she could go to the post office at those places and get us a little bit money. That was my mother. She was absolute frugal. And she was, mother was absolutely wonderful. She took so good care of us two children and my father was then. And so we came uh, oh, I don't know how many towns we were and it was maybe a week or two until they stopped all the refugees and uh, we were put in cattle cars and they I remember this. Yeah, I remember the thing, the how you, yeah, <laughs> yeah from and from so, from a wagon to being loaded on cattle cars with just straw cars. on the ground, okay. and that's where you go to the bathroom. That's where you sleep. That's, that's right. yeah. Then you know, had makeshift bathrooms on the on the railroad stations, just holes in the ground on paper walls around it. It was the most humiliating thing you could ever think of. And sometimes the people got lost because the trains would leave and people wouldn't know and families lost each other. Oh, no. Terrible. So mother always had us on her hands. And gladly, there were only two children. One on the right hand and one on the left hand. She would not let us go. Yeah. She was always sure she had us right with her. She, she, my mom, when I think now at my age, how must my mother have suffered? Yeah. Everything was gone. And then we lived in Czechoslovakia for quite a while. Well, and the war came to an end in 1945, somewhere in May. And then you could see how hateful the people were to the Germans because the Czech people had suffered under the Germans. Mm-hmm. And so then you saw the hate. And we had to wear armbands. Uh, I think we had yellow armbands because we were refugees. And the people that lived there had white armbands. So they could tell the Germans from the Czech people. And 
you know how people are hateful to each other and do unkind things to each other. That's when I got my first job because we needed crowns. Their money are called crowns. We had marks and we couldn't buy anything for marks, so we had to have crowns. And I got a job. I was president. I was 12, 13 years old. And I worked in a company where they made wooden plates, beautiful colored wooden plates. And wooden I plates? Learned, is that what you said? Plates made of wood? Yeah, wooden plates you hang on the wall. Oh, know, okay, decorative. And I learned to burn the edges of them with a little electric tool so they would look pretty. And I know that's the way I had to go to work there every morning with a bunch of people. And when we were done, sometimes I had to go home alone, and I know how terrible scared I was <laughs> because it was awful. The people were hungry. The refugees, we lived in schoolhouses, and uh, so many people in one room, so many couples in one room. And I remember people being so hungry they actually would kill the cats and the dogs and eat mm. them and make gravy to them. And one day somebody gave me some potato with gravy and then I found out that that was made from dog meat and I pushed it away. <laughs> I can't oh. eat that. But it's terrible. When people are hungry, it is yeah. very, very hard. Yeah, we just don't uh, know here in this country, the, do we? The next thing is, uh, I had learned, oh no, we are not up to the English. Um, then we came back to East Germany when the Czechs got rid of all the German people. And we lived what they called then East Germany, which was really more west than where I was born. And the people didn't like us. And I think we talked about that. Uh, we talked about when we crossed the border. I told you when uh, the people caught us on the bottle and vodka, which one young man had, and the police, the border guard went after him and shot him, and we got the chance to go over to the west side. And then the west people said, you cannot stay here. We give you no food stamps. You better go back. Oh, my goodness. So we had to go back to East Germany, and my aunt Hannah, the sister of my mother, she found a way how we can cross again from East to West and go in a refugee center. Refugee centers are terrible places to live because there, there are bugs, bed bugs. There are that's right. I remember lice. This is a terrible place. To yeah. Live. So my mother, they had to make a personal adjustment. My aunt went to South Germany, to Stuttgart, and mother sent me to Düsseldorf, and she went back with her mother and my brother in that little city, Lockum, where they had one room because they didn't find enough places to get us out of the refugee center. And so my mother uh, befriended that man who was a wholesaler in the shoemaker business, 
And since my father was the shoemaker, uh, she trusted that man and she sent me to Düsseldorf. And so the loneliness I experienced at that time was terrible. His wife trained housekeepers and boy, she trained me and he taught, and she taught me how to take care of a house and how to run a household. Refresh my that, memory. How old, how old were you? Were you 15? 14? At 14. But then I turned 15 when okay. I was there and I listened to the wedding of Queen Elizabeth from England. She was six years older than I am. And I thought that was so interesting. They, the, her wedding was on the radio. There was no TV at that time. And I remember that was Queen Elizabeth, which just died here last year. And that wow. was very interesting to listen to. And then I, I watched with those people. Oh, and I told you they put me right in the bathtub because I came from the refugee center and I got all new clothes and I got a wonderful room. But the loneliness was terrible. Yeah. And then I... My aunt had taught me about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And when I heard that there is a God in heaven and that Joseph Smith saw God the Father and the Son, I knew it, it was true. And I said, there is a reason for living. And it seemed like life got better for me then. Then I understood that. And I lived with those shepherds oh, about a year and a half. And then I found myself a very small room with some people where I lived in and I worked for a big machine company. They were called Lindemann and Schmitzler. I bet they are still there in Düsseldorf. They sold uh, machines uh, over the whole world till India and whatever. And I had to order the parts for the machines. That's when I learned to do typing on shorthand. And uh, so I made my way in, in the office in that big machine company. And this That's is when you're now 15? 16? Then by, by then I 1617. 1617. Yeah. Then, what, what about your I, education? Because usually kids no, that, that age will have been in school. So did you skip out on that? The education was stopped when we became refugees. Yeah. But when I came back to East Germany, I could get a diploma from a, oh, how did they call that school? That was that was finished. It was really finishing grade school. It was finishing eighth grade, and I got okay. a diploma from that. And then I wanted to go on. There was a high school in the big city close to it, and I wanted to go there, but we had no more money. And in Germany at this time, school had to be paid for every bit of it. High school, college, everything had to be paid, and we had no more money left. So I couldn't go, which was a terrible, terrible thing for me. But then I got in that one room that I had with those people. I took a, I went down in that into Düsseldorf 
to a night school and I got night school over there. And so what did you I study got, or was it just general education? That's when I typed. That's when I learned oh, shorthand. Okay. And then I learned a practical skill. And that's gotcha. when I could then go to the big machine company and work in their office and uh, do the work I had to do. And then, well, I was in love with my husband and we decided to get married and I was just almost 18 years old, which was really too young, but I wanted a home because yeah. I was so lonely. And uh, then when I was married to him, his sister was offered to come to America, and she decided, okay, we are going, and she took mother with her. His father was long dead, and those two went to America. And my mother went to America with her sister, because her sister, my Aunt Hannah, she had married here to Murray by Salt Lake City. And she got over her mother and my mother and my brother. And they wanted me to go with them, but I was married, and then I was going to go with my husband. After my mother-in-law, would constantly talk to the state president and told them, I have a, I have a son, this a wife, and two little children, and they need to come to America. And she never learned to really speak English good enough, so she begged him in German, and I think he got sick and tired. And he <laughs> found the Mr. Tate. <laughs> he found the Mr. Alma Tate. <clears throat> and I think my granddaughter got acquainted with some people in Ohio, their name was Tate, or they may be related to them. It's kind of an interesting story. Well, anyhow, this way, he gave us a sponsorship. You had to have papers. You could not just go to America. You had to have a sponsor. He was responsible for you for five years to take care of you if you wouldn't work. We didn't even know that. We knew when we come here, we have to work. But the law was a sponsor is responsible for the people he brought over for five years. Wow. And so we came to Arizona. And I thought Arizona was heaven. Heaven? Heaven. Arizona was <laughs> because... heaven. Because? There was always orange um, shoes. There was the band of the high school playing. It was wonderful. I could hang up the diapers. At this time, we had to have a, a cloth diaper still for the children, and I could hang them up. By the time I hanged up the last diaper, the first diaper was dry. It was absolutely <laughs> wonderful. And of course, we had to learn a new language. And the new language, I had learned English in school because I was put to the Lyceum when I was 10 years old. Lyceum is for girls, gymnasium is for boys for higher schooling. And so I was put there with 10 years and I learned English. And when I came here to the United States, I thought, well, I can speak some English, I can make it. Well, interesting to learn, Americans don't speak English. 
Yeah, they don't speak English, English, huh? It sounded so strange, I could not make out anything when I thought, oh my goodness. And then your ears get used to the way people talk. And then my English came in pretty handy. And we lived in Arizona, 10 years. And I brought two children from Germany, two little girls. And then I had three boys in Arizona and one girl. And then my, my husband took his mother up to Salt Lake City because she never learned to speak English. She was hard hearing and he wanted her to uh, live with people she could talk with. And so his mother and his sister, he brought them up to Salt Lake. Was and there a German population there in Salt Lake? The German, yeah, there were many, okay. many German people here. Okay, I got, um, I got it. I think I'm one of the last ones. <laughs> they all died. They're oh, all a little bit older than I am. They're still German descendants here and German people, but they're younger than I am on my group. They are dead. Yeah, they are dead. So, and he came back from Salt Lake with an avocar. He sold, yeah, he went up with my sister-in-law, and he came back with another white and green station wagon. And I thought, what is that? He said, we're not going to stay here now. We're going to go up to uh, Salt Lake too. So we ended up in Salt Lake, and then I had one more son. And that wow, son so of mine, seven? He, seven yeah, that kids? made seven. And he became a pilot. He was a wonder. He was a bright boy, and uh, he was eight years younger than his last sister. He was a wonderful child to raise. So, uh, I didn't talk about when we came to New York and we had to go, we landed there and they put us in a high rise building overnight because we had to take the train to go. Is this from, before Arizona? This is, you yeah. went to New when York first came, when you came to America. 1954. Today it's the 20th, today's the 30th. On the 28th of January, that was last Saturday, we were here in the United States 69 years. Wow. And they had put us up in a high-rise hotel. So high up, when you look out the window, the cars looked like, like toy cars. And the old ladies had red coats and yellow blouses and white clothes, and I thought, Good for me. I don't have to wear black clothes like the Germans all did. I can wear color clothes. And I remember <laughs> I bought myself a red coat because I loved it that way. And my husband went down. We needed to have something to eat. I don't know why we couldn't go to the hotel. Oh, we had $30 each. That was all the money we were allowed to bring. You took 30 German marks, and they were exchanged into 30 American dollars. 
and there were thirty dollars for my husband and thirty dollars for me. I think there were thirty dollars for each child too. So we had very little money. Hundred twenty dollars was not very much when we landed in New York. However, my husband went to a store and for four dollars he bought two bags full of food. Everything what we needed to eat. <laughs> you can't buy two bags of food for four dollars anymore. No, not anymore. That, that that was quite interesting. Yeah. And then there was the language thing what we had to learn. And then we ended up in Salt Lake. Ta-da! And that's how I got to know you, through a common friend of ours. No, and I lived here in that place 53 years on the 1st of March. And I love it here. It's a wonderful neighborhood. I found the American people are good, friendly people. Ray so had Ruth, to learn to, the car, you have to learn new customs, you have to learn different weather, and I like it here because he has an awful lot of blue skies. <laughs> and I have been blessed and I'm grateful forever to live in that country. And reading the Constitution and learning we have to make citizenship we did that in 1959. We had to take classes for that, and we learned about the Constitution. And it's the best, uh, what would you say, law to rule people. And then came the Bill of Rights, too, because people wanted some rights also. They had uh, the government, the uh, Constitution is about the government, and then people wanted some rights. And then we learned those things when we went to school in 1959 and became citizens of the United States. And it We're cost so at this time, at this time, it cost ten dollars to take out citizenship. I think now it costs hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Wow, ten dollars back in but 1959, it, and hundreds and hundreds of dollars in our day. It was ten dollars to take out citizenship. Wow. Yeah. So, so tell me, Ruth. Is... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> so when we concluded the last um, interview, I had you. I asked if you would share with us a message. Uh, you know, share a message to yeah. us as Americans from you, Ruth um, Bula Metman Bell from East Germany, <laughs> who's been through so much. Um, and you mentioned uh, in brief, but I'd love to have you elaborate and then we'll close. But you mentioned that if you had a message to give to America's today, it would be um, keep the Ten Commandments and learn right. the history of the United States of America. So would you elaborate on that? Why, why those two? Well, the Ten Commandments are God-given for people to be happy. Basically, if you keep the Ten Commandments, you will live a happy life because you know what is right and what is wrong. 
And then when you study the American history, which is based on the Ten Commandments, they are posted up in, in Washington, aren't they, for everybody to read. They're posted, I'm sorry, where? The, the Ten Commandments are posted in Washington. I know Washington, D.C.? Yeah, Washington, D.C. And the Ten Commandments also were posted here in Salt Lake on Temple Square so everybody can read them. Uh, and then you study the Ten Commandments and keep them. you got to keep them. That's the most important thing. And when you learn the history of the United States, the history of the United States, not their ideas, the history of the United States, how people came here, how they fought for their rights because they, the king was terrible to the people and how they got their freedom. You got to study all those kind of things. You know that there's a reason for living. At least there was a reason for me, a reason for living. And I have been greatly blessed. Great I found the American people, the good American people are wonderful people. They share, they help each other. These are good, honest people. I'm sorry that we have so many nowadays which do not keep the law. But the Ten Commandments, learn them, keep them, study the history of the United States as you have a reason for living. I love that. <laughs> Rue, thank you for being on Ask an Immigrant a second time. We're, we're yeah, grateful that you were... What's Come that? Come on, see me sometime. Yeah, <laughs> now, <laughs> yes, after we're done we recording, eat. yeah, we have to eat. Is that what you said? Or meet. Yeah, yeah, how about we meet it. and eat? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that sounds like a deal. Well, thank you, Ruth, for being on Ask You're Immigrant. Welcome. Thank you for sharing Call us. Your... Yeah, Call I will. I will do that. So, yeah. Um... Time is up. We got it in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. So um, just happy that you were able to share the story and have this story, this true story of your life, what life was like for you in East Germany, yeah. especially during the yeah. rule of Hitler. When what, what happens when you're having to live under a government where the ruler has absolute power? Dictatorship is Dictatorship. good. We have to have yeah. a government that's by the people, for the people, from the people. That's the way it works. Amen, sister. So Amen. if any of you who are listening know an immigrant to America and would like, or you are an immigrant to America and would like to share your story on Ask an Immigrant, 
uh, or if you have parents or grandparents or some relatives that have immigrated here and would like to share their story, please contact me at Lydia at LovingLiberty.net. That's L-Y-D-I-A at LovingLiberty.net. Thank you so much for joining me and Ruth today. Now go forth, stand up today for liberty in your life. Thank you.